Broadcasting from Youngstown, Ohio, this is the MV Red Podcast, the show where we talk about news and politics impacting the Mahoning Valley, the state of Ohio, and the USA. If you want to subscribe to our podcast, find us on your favorite podcast streaming app or visit our website, www.mvred.com. If you want to share your opinion with us, please email info at mvred.com, as we would love to hear from you. Now, let's get things started. Here are your hosts, Michael Metzinger and Dane Davis. Welcome to episode 38 of the MV Red Podcast. This is our mixing show. We're hoping to be more accurate than we were in 2020 when I was just a little bit off, but Dane was actually pretty pretty damn accurate. Um, so we're going to give our predictions for the 2022 midterms this evening as, as Dane drops off. But again, want to apologize for everybody for the technical issues. So tonight we want to hit home on especially the battle for the U.S. Senate. There's a lot of uh, open seats out there that can go either way. It's coming down to the finish. Could mean the difference between a 50-50 split or maybe as many as 53 or 54 U.S. Senate seats for the Republicans as Dane joins us. Dane, welcome. Hello. I was just sharing with everybody our technical issues we were having. That I <laughs> Hello, Michael. Can you hear me? Yep. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Is everything okay? What's we are good. On? We are good. It just, uh, nobody's here for our technical abilities. They're here for our political analysis. So... Like I was oh, saying, man, if our if our political analysis is as good as our tech abilities, we're like the name bronze, right? We're we're bad, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. boy, yikes, Yekorama. I feel like twelve year olds know how to like stream and can have like massive Twitch counts and can stream yeah. nonstop. Uh, and here's us, a bunch of boomers, and we can't even get a video to work. Yeah, I mean, I, I struggle at work on Microsoft Teams meetings half the time. <laughs> I plug my headset in, and I start talking, nobody he- he- hears me. So yeah, I thought it was good with technology, apparently not. Anyways, uh, it's been a few months since we had our last podcast, so... Months? Months, I really think it's been a couple months. Probably wow. since, since uh, late mid to late summer. But a lot has happened, I think, since uh, the whole abortion issue kind of went went off went went by the wayside it, it's the focus has been in the stretch run here yeah inflation and the economy and, and where we are moving in the 2023 and 2024 quite frankly if you look at a lot of the polling data out there a lot of people are saying the united states is on the wrong track right now yeah and historically speaking in the midterms the incumbent party typically fares poorly. But then when you compound with inflation as high as it is, the economy, um, you know, I know there was a little bit of GDP growth this particular quarter. So I guess technically we're back out of the whole recession thing. But 
I think you probably would know better than me, Dane, but you hear these these surveys of, of business executives predicting that 2023 is going to be a tough year. And I tend it's to agree with them. Yeah. yeah, I know you've been on the Ron Verb show on 570 WKB and talking about that quite a bit. So I think the focus, the two big issues that are kind of hand, go hand in hand into this election are inflation and the economy. And quite frankly, um, the Democrats don't really have a great answer. So it's up to the Republican candidates to try to pounce on that that frustration with the Biden administration. Things just haven't gone their way, especially ever since the Afghanistan withdrawal. It just seems like once that happened, just things went south and they have not recovered. And so it should set up for an interesting midterm next Tuesday night. Well, what did the Democrats really stand for besides blaming white people for all the problems in the U.S.? I, I guess they also stand for giving mastectomies to pre preteens and calling it health care. Um, but beyond those two policies, I, I really don't know what they stand for anymore, right? Um, I mean, if you can't, you know, whatever the problem is, well, it's because white people are racist. And if it's not that, it's because we're not giving teenagers and preteens double mastectomies and, and genital surgery and, and puberty blockers. What really, like, what else do they have to offer? I mean, I'm not just even, I'm, I'm trying to be charitable to them. Um, that whole, does anybody remember, you know, this is the one thing that's not talked about. Everybody's talking about inflation. Uh, the vax mandate. Remember when we were going to fire people from their jobs, if they refuse to take a vaccine that doesn't prevent people from getting COVID. So it's unlike any other vaccine. Do do anybody remember that? We weren't going to let them into polite society. We were going to ban them from public places you know, in our newspapers, we, we wanted them to die or to be at the very last for healthcare. And then, you know, it's interesting that um, the people that developed those vaccines, they never tested them to see if it stopped transmission. And in fact, they didn't, right? We, we saw COVID rates skyrocket. And, and they went from, if you take this vaccine, 95% chance you won't get COVID to well, you're not going to die from COVID to well, you're, you're going to get maybe slightly sick to just shut up and take it. And then by the way, you need like 18 boosters. So and does anyone else remember on top of that issue, you know, the, we sent kids home for the spring of 2020. And then when we knew that they were protected, some schools kept kids home or yeah, kept, some schools kept kids out of the schools all the way up until 2021. And in right. fact, even as recently as this year, they were masking kids in like daycare and preschool. I think, and then finally, the CDC said that the COVID vaccine has, has to be added to the childhood immunization schedules, which means the governors get to decide. So all of this, all of this changes, right? All, all of these issues, all they're all relevant because... I think the one thing not discussed beyond inflation, which is a disaster, is the COVID lockdowns. All that COVID hysteria was totally unjustified. It was unnecessary. And, you know, you could say in 2020, we didn't know what was going to happen. And it was a big mistake. But by the end of the year and even into 2021, the Democrats tripled down on it, right? Like they were all into it. And then they just suddenly dropped it. And then they're all getting COVID like six or seven times, right? 
So I, I don't know. I just think that's another relevant factor. It's like the, the issue that shall not be named. Um, I think there are a lot of people that are very, very angry and upset about that. Uh, just it's throwing true. it out there. I just mean, and we just there. saw, I think what was it was last week or the week before, some testing data that came out and, and the numbers have, have dropped quite a bit. And quite frankly, I mean, that's government caused that with, with, with this virtual learning and the big push. And, and you go through old newspaper clippings from 2021 of, of, of certain school districts and teacher unions pushing the whole idea of, well, we want to stay virtual. We want to stay remote. We, we, you know, we don't want to get back in, in, in the classroom and how detrimental that was to lear- the students and their, and their learning. And yeah. it's, it, it's, it's a setback for them. It's, it, it's a shame. And, and, you know, who, who knows how quickly or how long it's going to take for them to recover. But that was self-imposed. And, it was. And, you know, again, we could go back to 2020. Understood. Because if you think of it, that was March, at least in Ohio, it was like mid-March, I think, is when the school start, started to go uh, remote. So you went March, April, May, and then maybe first week of June. But yeah. then that fall is when... You know, things started to subside with the numbers, but then again, that whole next school year, remote, right? Virtual or, right. or hybrid model. Again, uh, and, and who does that impact the, the most? The, who's impacted in a way um, the most negatively? It's, it's going to be lower income people. Think, not all lower income Americans have access to high speed internet. Not all... Lower income Americans have access to the technology to support hybrid learning or have right. the ability to have a, a parent or a guardian with them during the school day because that parent or guardian might need to be working. So it was short sighted on the part of, of, you know, the education sector, whatever you want to call it, for enforcing it um, as long as they did. Again, I could I got some slack with that yeah. three month time frame initially, because again, there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, you know, we didn't know the impact it would have on children at the time, but it became pretty clear probably three, four months in that this thing wasn't something that was impacting young kids as much as it was in a senior citizen with some sort of comorbidity. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. I think most people, most, most voters will cut people slack, believe it or not. Um, and that's why somebody like DeWine's not getting blown out. But I think th- th- my theory is the governor's races, part of the reasons why they're so close, Michigan is very tight. The Republican is leading in Nevada. We'll get into the various states. New York is also very tight. They've had some Republicans up in that race. Uh, Glenn Youngkin last year famously won in Virginia, which is a purpley blue state. Um, I think a lot of the reasons why these governor's races are so close is because of exactly this issue. And I think that there's a lot of concern and nobody wants to vocalize it, um, but I think it's real. I, I think it's really, I think it's a factor. I'm not saying it's the top top factor, but I think, you know, it's very easy for the Republicans to talk about inflation because that's one thing that, you know, they clearly have the advantage on. But this is another thing that's kind of bubbling out there that people don't want to talk about. And I also think the, you know, crime is a big one. Um, we 
basically for one year, our society turned harshly against the police. We accused them of a blood libel of murdering black people for the sake of murdering black people. And, and we, uh, as a society, applied that broad brush, broad, broad brush, excuse me, to the entire entirety of police, not just like a localized department, right? And and the, the facts aren't true, right? The reality is, is that for whatever reason, black people commit more crime and then thus black people have more interactions with the police. Um, and once you control for the, the rate of interactions, the reality is black people are killed no more than white people are once you control for that factor on a, a per capita basis. So the police institutions, while there may be racist police officers, and I'll even willing to say that here and there you might have corrupt police departments, police as a whole are a good thing in our society and they're a positive force. Um, but we, we said to fund them and we turned against them and we slandered them. And then two years later, crime is up dramatically. Um, crime is all over. Like here in Geauga County, we've got people robbing cars, right? Murders are up in Youngstown. You probably know the statistics better than I do. Murders are up big time in Youngstown, all the major cities, Baltimore, Chicago, um, New York, I think is the exception. New York has been really gentrified, but that's the other issue that nobody really wants to talk about. I mean, what we did to the police was wrong. And by the way, the police are a huge chunk, I want to say the majority are minority officers. So it's not like, you know, there's this narrative. It's like white police officers trying to kill black police people, right? It's totally false. And nobody, everybody was afraid to stand up to the, the mobs of 2020. And uh, that issue's come into play. We're starting to see the consequences for that. Correct. All good points. So we want to talk about our predictions. Again, we're going to go through a lot of the U.S. Senate races, the more competitive ones, obviously. Hit home some of the, the statewide races here in Ohio, maybe hit on a few of the local races and kind of see how we, we fare. I would say it's probably about two, maybe two weeks ago. There's a day when the polling just went from one direction to the other in favor of the Republicans. And since then, it seems like they've been on a roll. And I don't quite think it was necessarily anything drastically that changed in society that caused Republicans to just all of a sudden surge ahead. I quite frankly think they were ahead all summer long. I, I, I do think when you, you get down Agreed. to it and you switch from like a registered voter model in polling to a, a likely voter model, you see who's energized. The Democrats were pinning their hopes on abortion. I think it was three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, Biden came out and said, we're going to call Roe versus Wade, which it's convenient that they want to do it now. They didn't do it when Barack Obama had complete control of the U.S. Senate and the U.S. House. It didn't matter then, but now it matters. And I think that, that obviously they have their reasons for, for wanting that, but the timing of it was quite convenient. Then you compound that with Biden draining our oil reserve. And it's interesting that, you know, the whole idea of it is we'll, we'll see how much they do this after the election. But the whole idea behind it is when gas prices, especially like in Ohio, what hit $5 a gallon, they started hitting this oil reserve. They started coming down. And you're like, okay, well, we could maybe live with $350 a gallon gasoline. <laughs> but I think most of us aren't being fooled by that, right? They, they tried it. It's, uh, to me, it seems political. Um, 
again, that's coming from somebody who's more conservative-leaning. Uh, I have concerns with, with using it. And, and we'll be, I think we'll know for sure post-election what they end up doing. If they continue to drain it or if it magically stops and we're just going to have to live with the fact that gas prices are going to jump to $5, $6 a gallon um, some point next year. So let's get into it, Dane. Um, let's, yeah, uh, where do you want to start? Let's start in the U.S. Bring up your little Senate. map. Yeah, let, I'm gonna map? pull up the I'm gonna pull up the map right now. He's got a Let's start out west. Really cool. There's yeah. a there's a few interesting races out west. Um, one let's start first in, in Nevada. Okay. Adam Laxalt yeah. going up against I forget her what her first name is, but it's Cortez. Um, it's the last name. And yeah. what's been interesting here, and I'm gonna pull up the uh, polling data for uh, let's see here. Give me one second. For Nevada now, can is we color this the different colors. Yes, yes, we and we together. are, and we'll and we'll see if we could kind of come up with some consensus. But if okay, you look at the poll data, this would be cute. Uh, Laxalt has an average the real clear politics up one point nine points, but there's been a number of polls, as you see, this was in September where he's been up. So this is I feel confident in for the Republicans. There's been a lot of yeah. polling data, not only in the Senate race and the, in, in the governor's race, but in the congressional races, the Democrats redistrict Nevada. And it looks like, I think they have three, maybe four seats. Dan, you can correct me if I'm wrong. And I think all three are, are could be toss-ups this time. And the Democrats drew them, which is co quite interesting. So I'm of the belief, and, and I watched the early voting data, that's one state where the early voting data can give you an idea of where it's going to That's why I wasn't very confident in Trump's chances there in 2020, because the Democrats built, uh, if you want to call it some sort of firewall from early voting, especially in, in Clark County and Washoe County, which is Reno, um, the bit, two big urban parts of the state. They built like a, I think it was like 80 to 90,000 vote edge going into election day. And rural Nevada it's heavily Republican, but there's not nearly enough votes to eat into that. But if you're looking at it right now, I think as of last check, um, maybe had like a 21,000 vote edge, but that's based purely on registration. The difference this time around compared to 20 and 2018 is the polling shows Republicans are faring good with independents. So that lead isn't going to be enough. So I'm of the belief that Adam Laxalt's going to pick one off from the Democrats in Nevada. Did you know um, Adam Laxalt has family that was um, like into politics? Like I think his I father did. or uh, his grandfather was a famous politician and he was like the illegitimate son of that famous politician. Um, and he's like tied into a Nevada political family, the Laxalt family. Like um, I think that there was a governor in the past in Nevada that was a Laxalt and this current Adam Laxalt is is related to him. His, his family goes back into Nevada politics. I, look it up; it's really interesting. Um, that out. Yeah, I think Nevada's red. Like, let's make it red. I think the governor is red. Like, little doubt. I would even put it. What's the next color? The, You're gonna go likely. Uh, I think it's likely Republican. Yeah, okay. I, I really do believe it's likely Republican. Um, what what do you think? Uh, what do you think margin wise here? Are you going to write this down? We can write. Do you it down. want to update on the spreadsheet? Uh, oh, I don't know how to type on spreadsheet. Sure. Uh, um, Nevada. Come on. 
Um, okay, I got Michael and Bane. I think I have the origin is R3. Okay, I have R2. I think I'm gonna go with okay. R2. Yeah, I think it's I think it's probably somewhere around there. So but I think it's a pretty solid R3, R2. Yep. Yeah, I've seen um, enough and I think we've seen polling over the last I would say six years where if a Republican has a lead and just a handful Full of polls, especially even some of the mainstream, they probably do have a lead. And there's been enough poll- polls in Nevada to show that Adam Axald is up. There was one yeah. out today, um, two actually out today that came out. I know this USA Today one's in between, but these two that were up plus five, I believe, came out today. So I'm of the belief that Adam Laxalt's going to win. Um, but it's Nevada, and, and it is a state that the Democrats have carried the last few cycles. But I think because of the independent vote, those are going to go, that state is going to go Republican. I always underest I always tend to discount Republicans in the West and add Republican votes in the Midwest, if that makes sense. So for like a state like Nevada, mm-hmm. if it's R plus five, I'll discount to say R plus three. But if it's a Midwestern state and it's R plus two, two or three, I'll, I'll give it a couple more. Why don't, why don't we go to Wisconsin, Michael? Can we move on to the great state Let's of Wisconsin? Go. Yeah, you know, so we have Ron Johnson, the incumbent, going up. It, oh, God, I'm going to butcher the – I know it's Barnes is the last It's name, Mandela, but, isn't it? Mandela. Mandela yeah, that's it. Yeah. So I, I think this is one where I'm, I think it's uh, the same color as Nevada, and I think Ron, my buddy Ron I, Johnson, who I think is underrated as a senator, uh, pulls it out. So I give it R5. Um, and, I, I tend uh, to – what are you going to give the Republican margin? Uh, I, I would agree with you there. I wouldn't be surprised if it's more, but it is Wisconsin, and there's that's a state that Governor Walker, um, Scott Walker, Walker, won a few times by razor-thin margins, and then Trump uh, won it narrowly. Or actually, no, he won it by a decent margin in 2016. Only lost it by like 20,000 votes in 2020. So yeah, I, it is a, it's a tight state, but again, just because of where – independents are leaning Republican and Democrat enthusiasm is down. I think that's enough that it gives Ron Johnson a comfortable margin. I think, I think there's this type of voter out there and the type of voter is call it like a white guy in his thirties or forties or, you know, white woman, it's a suburban voter and they like to pretend that they're independent and above politics. I call him the Tommy Metzinger voter and they've got conservative inclinations, but for whatever reason, sometimes they'll latch on to something that Republicans do and they'll be like, I just had it up to here and they'll vote blue. And I think they do that so that they can kind of keep up their independent bona fides. I think there are a lot of those voters in the state of Wisconsin. I think it's a naturally small C conservative state, but only like a little bit. Um, and I think that they'll tend, especially in the modern political dynamics to vote Republican. Um, but I do think they like to vote Democrat for like governors and for senators just to show that they're, they've got that independent streak. Right. But I think Barnes is a little too far out there. The economy's too poor. These independent voters are probably going to vote Republican. They won't be proud of it. They won't admit it. But I think they turn and I think the Republican grassroots are fired up. Democratic turnout's depressed. Either way, we can agree. It's that nice strawberry red. Um, what, what state do you want to go to? Um, but let's go to one that I think is going to end up going Democrat, but is surprisingly competitive, which is Washington. So you have Patty Murray, oh, the yeah. incumbent, going going up. Uh, oh, God. Is it Tiffany? Tiffany Smiley. And 
there's four polls out in the past two weeks that give Murray a 4.3 edge. This is a race that nobody saw on the radar screen. Um, you know, occasionally in presidential years, we see a Republican maybe getting a single digits in a poll, like, uh, you know, down eight, nine points. But two polls out in the last few days. One has Murray up two. One has Murray up one. Um, one of which is, is Trafalgar. So, so this is this is one I think Patty Murray's going to pull it out. So the fact that it's competitive speaks to, I think, just the enthusiasm gap, right? Democrats well, aren't excited to come out. Independents are, are backing Republicans, and the Republicans are energized. So I used to live in Washington, fun fact. And uh, what a lot of people don't realize is that outside of Seattle, the state is fairly red. Once you get east of the Cascade Mountains, Spokane um, and the Yakima Valley are, are really Republican areas. They look more like in Idaho. Um, it's just Seattle is so large and it's predominant. I am going to say that this is a D6 state. I, I don't fully believe the polls. Um I think that Seattle is just too overwhelmingly blue, but Seattle is one of these states or these cities rather that have been really affected by the recent crime wave um, and the downtowns have become difficult, but I, I still think it goes blue, but what are your colors on blue? What shades do we have there, Michael? We got the same shades. We got a light blue, likely. I would think uh, it's, 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 it's likely. That's I say it's thought. likely. Yeah. What are you going to put it as D what? Uh, I'll, I'll go with D5. D five. Okay, so I'm so it's tight, right? But um, yeah. Okay. What? Where do you want to go next, Mr. Metzinger? I'm. Uh, All right. Let's go down to Arizona. That's this is a, a this is a tight one. Ooh. You have uh, Senator Kelly, who what? He's a former astronaut, correct? Correct. Yeah, he's an astronaut. He's in space. So he's he going space. up against um, Blake. Is it Blake Masters? I'm yeah. bad with all these first names. So I apologize. Murray up against Blake Masters. So Kelly's been up primarily most of this election cycle. There are very few polls that have showed um, Blake Masters ahead. Actually, from what I could see, there I don't even see single one up until recent where there was a tie. But, but every single poll has Mark Kelly up. What's interesting here is... I feel very confident in, in the governor's race there. Carrie Lake is um, – she's polling better. She seems to be pulling maybe three, four points ahead of, of Blake Masters. And I feel comfortable that she's going to win. This is a, a tight one. This one's going to come down to late momentum. Um, this one to me is, is like the – of all the states, I feel like this is the pure toss-up one that I'm not real confident on either which way. I think based on the polling, if you b believe it, Kelly's going to be ahead. He'll probably win by a point or two. But this is one where, you know, we, we're less than a week out. Late break, um, you know, could, could see Blake Masters pull ahead. Here's my problem, Michael, and I, I, I'm wrestling with this one too. Um, Arizona is a really tough state. It's increasingly purple. You've got the California exodus, right, colonizing it. Um if Carrie Lake, if you believe that Carrie Lake is up, and I think you and I both believe that, what is the voter, who, who is the voter that votes for somebody like Carrie Lake, who the media has portrayed as this extremist, and then turns around and votes for Kelly, Mark Kelly, right? Who is that voter? 
I think if you could mentally, if you get to the point where you're like, I'm going to vote for Carrie Lake, you then do not go and vote for the Democrat. So earlier I predicted that this state was a blue state. I think it goes narrowly for Blake um, Masters. And I think it's like R1, and I think it's tight. But I do think that Carrie Lake pulls him up, makes him palatable. They kind of run as a ticket. And I think it pulls him across the finish line. And I think the I think Arizona is like, remember that voter I described in Wisconsin? There's a lot of, there are a lot of voters that they want to pretend to be independent. I think there are a lot of those guys in Arizona. That's why they liked McCain so much. So I'm going to put it as R2. R2. R2, wow. What do you put it as? <sighs> you know, I, I, and somebody sent me a, a tweet from Rich Barris, who we had on a few years ago. He's polling Arizona right now, and it reads, in the, and this is five minutes ago, independents in Arizona have shifted considerably since our last poll. Uh, I'm, my guess, if he's tweeting it, that means it's going in favor of Blake Masters. That would be my guess. Um, but what's interesting here is if you kind of go back, I'm looking at 2018, McSally versus Cinema. McSally had a lead in the polls. Cinema ended up winning. He, 2020. McSally was a weak candidate, and Cinema had that independent she, streak. But keep going, sorry. Yeah. But then on the flip side in 2020, Mark Kelly, because this was the seat to fill McCain, correct, in, in 2020, um, he had an average lead of 5.7 points, but ended up only winning over McSally by 2.4. And that was in a weak year for Republicans, at least weak in terms of we lost the presidency, right? Um, right. I, I, I'm, I'm torn on this. If, if, if you had the... On what I currently see, I would give Mark Kelly the ever so slight edge, but I would say yeah. like less than like like a half a point. Um, okay, this is so, one where I might have to tweet out my final prediction. But based on what I see right now, I'm not quite there yet. I feel like I'm I'm going with Carrie Lake in the governor's race plus three, but I'll say Mark Kelly plus point five. That's just me okay. though. So what I'm going to leave it as gray for right now for us since we, we we're not in agreement on that. Okay. Um, well, Florida should be red. I don't think there's any doubt in Florida. Your man DeSantis. Yeah, the only reason and, I and uh, I want to touch on yeah, governor's race there as well. Yes. Sorry, <laughs> it's not a matter of whether the Republicans are going to win. The question is how much. Oh, um, a lot uh florida for senate um like r plus <laughs> r6 or r7 r7 sure so what would that translate into that would be like 55 uh, root 43 deming no 55 47 oh geez i i think yeah maybe it's r um r8 I'm going to go even higher. I think Rubio gets like I mean, 55% I, of the vote. She gets like 47 or something like that. Is, is there a third party in that race? Do we know? I, I assume so. There will be. The, yeah, you're probably right. I, I'm going to go a little higher. I'll go Rubio plus 10. And okay. if just for, I know we're talking U.S. Senate, but let's talk about the governor's race real quick. Uh, Ron DeSantis going up against former governor 
Charlie Crist. I think that one has the ability to be DeSantis plus 13 or 14. I don't think that one's even going to be remotely close. I think the early voting data in Miami-Dade County, which used to be a Democrat stronghold, right? As of right now, the Republicans have a, a lead in terms of ballots cast, and that is just catastrophic for the Democrats. This is a county that, oh, correct me here, Dane, but I feel like when in 2016, um, in, in previous cycles, as much as 25, maybe 30 points to the Democrats, and the fact the Republicans have a chance to win it this time around at the governor and U.S. Senate level makes me think that uh, Governor DeSantis is in for a route up there with when Jeb Bush won the state by 13. I, I think he has a chance of winning by even more than 13 points. Yeah, I think I, I'm with you. I, I'd say our plus 15. Um, but it'll be, it'll be good. Yeah. Uh, make it red, make it deep red. Yeah. That's nice uh, scarlet red. Solid Republican. Solid red. Solid. Why don't we go to the great state of Ohio? Let's do it. This is going to be an interesting one. So on Ohio, um, my man Vance versus Tim Ryan. Um, I think it is Vance five. Yeah, actually I, and I, I tweeted out some of my predictions for Ohio. I think it was yesterday. And I yeah. tend to agree with you there. There's a lot of polling out. The, the, the average right now has Vance up 2.2. But what's pretty consistent is there has been, looks like, one poll, maybe two in, since August that has had Ryan even up. Every poll pretty much has Vance up. And if you base it on historical um, polling results in, in Ohio, the errors the last couple cycles have kind of been to the tune of about six to eight points here in Ohio. So when you look at Real Clear Politics, they're doing something interesting. They're looking at the current breakdown in the polling, and they look at 2016 and 2020 to see how much the polls underestimated the Republicans in those 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 cases, or the Democrats if there was ever a state like that. Right. And based on that, they have Vance plus 8.2. I'm not quite there. I think I'd like to think they've done a better job of pulling Ohio, but I tend to agree. I, I think right now I would say Vance plus five. And we've talked about why why a yeah. Democrat could win here in Ohio, and it's using the Sherrod Brown playbook. And we could I have my whole thoughts on, on it. I think that Vance campaign made a strategic error in the summertime because they waited essentially till Labor Day to really start pouring money. And, and, and it could have just been the fact they didn't have the money to do it. But the Democrats poured money in over the summer to try to define Tim Ryan as a moderate. You know, he talks about, I was with Trump on China. I'm against Biden. No, he on, you know, he wasn't. What's that? It's a lie. Well, he, well, well I get that. He's, they... They they try are they're trying to portray him as a Sherrod Brown old school moderate type Democrat that resonates that would have fared well in Ohio a decade ago, but we all know that's not how he is. He portrays it, but he votes hundred percent of the time with 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 Joe Biden. And then at the same time, they've also tried to paint uh, J.D. Vance as this you know out of touch um, you know this guy from California who who came in this this Trump Trumpian type candidate and this and that. So they got a head start. They defined this race. What's worked in Vance's favor is the simple fact that Ohio's moved red, I think. And it, it has. But I think that 
air, and again, it could have just been the fact they didn't have the money, cost them, and they made this race far more competitive than it should have ever been. But, you know, Tim Ryan's doing what he had to do, which is, you know, try to act like he's Sherrod Brown, try to act like he's an old school Democrat, try to pick off some of those Trump type voters that that abandon the Democrats and try to get them to, you know, try to back him. Yeah, I think it's it's look, it's it's put it put it. Where are the reds? Where are the reds? Uh, um, let me see your little reds. I think it's likely a Republican. So not yeah. the scarlet red, but the strawberry red. So, okay, we're in agreement. We're both R plus five. Yeah, I, I would go with that. Would I be I surprised if it ends up being a little bit more? But I do want to make one point. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the point. We saw it in 2020. Because of how Ohio counts the ballots, the initial batch of votes that come in from each county are the absentee and early voters, early vote, which tends to be heavily Democrat. So if you remember yeah. 2020, Joe Biden had this big lead of 10, 12 points. And I remember Chuck Todd and all these other Democrat pundits looking at it like, oh, my God, Ohio, look at Ohio. But it didn't take very long once they started counting Election Day votes, which probably went something to the tune of like 70, 30 for the Republicans, where the Democrat lead just cratered and the Republicans took the lead. So just don't be surprised. Don't be alarmed come election night when Tim Ryan has a lead and Nan Whaley maybe has it in single digits. She doesn't stand a chance. But just be careful or be cognizant of that because they're going to try to f make you panic. But I think once the election day votes come in, Vance will pull ahead. And once he pulls ahead, it, it's going to be over. Um, Chuck Todd isn't that smart. I don't know why he's a pundit. Like, what does he do to be a pundit? I don't, I don't, I don't get it. But yeah, okay. Um, let's go to, I want to go to Pennsylvania. Okay. I want to talk this about is a fascinating race. <laughs> um, I feel like, first of all, Fetterman is a slob. He's just a total disgusting slob. Um, and it's not because of his politics. Like what I really, what I don't like about Fetterman is he, he shows you what elites think the working class is. And that is an overweight hoodie wearing slob, right? Like, do they not have any respect? He, he has never worked. He doesn't have a job. He doesn't, he just ran for mayor of Braddock and, and when he was like 50. And until then, he just lived off of his parents' inherited wealth. He is the, he is the, of all the Democrats running, I dislike him the most. Um, and I actually like Oz because I feel like Oz, you know, he's squishy. I, I think I'm probably far more to the right than he is. Keep in mind that it's a purple state. So you got to do what you got to do to win. And he has put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. And what I always respected in candidates, and this is one of the reasons why I respect Sheriff Brown is you got to put the time and effort in the campaign. You got to hit the ground. You got to run. You got to shake the hands, kiss the babies, right? And um, somebody like Sherrod Brown, the reason he was able to win in Ohio so much is because he did that. I'm, I'm not saying I'm going to vote for him. I'm just saying that's that was his like shtick, right? Um, and Oz has done that. Oz has done that. So I... I feel like Oz has done well. Of course, Fetterman had the stroke and that didn't help him. Um, and he shouldn't be running. He's sick. Like it's, it was weird on Twitter. The Democrats were like, well, disabled Americans, if you're against Fetterman, you're against disabled Americans. Well, no, right. Like I think somebody that is like handicapped, like Greg Abbott of Texas, who, who's in a wheelchair, I have no problem with them serving. If he was blind 
right? David Patterson was a decent governor of New York, and I believe he was completely legally blind. It's not about handicaps. It's about the man, unfortunately, as a result of a stroke, is mentally deficient. Uh, and ideally, the senator, you'd want them to be a bright individual. So all that said, I am going um, – I don't trust the electorate, the electorate in Pennsylvania. I never have. Uh, I think that they are always – they always say that they're Republican, but they don't actually vote Republican, and they keep electing horrible governors. But I do think Oz pulls this out, and I go R2. Uh, it's conservative, but I think it happens. Yeah. No, I, I, and let's talk briefly about that debate last week. I think – forget the political aspect of it. It was tough to watch. You know, I'm, I don't it's, – it's not a joking matter for somebody to have a stroke. But what's upsetting to me is that – his family and his 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 advisors put him out for that. They knew how he was, and you know they. His they wife knew. All went after this. NBC said, "Yeah, oh yeah, she definitely." Knew. Um, but they all went after the NBC reporter a few weeks ago when they had that interview, where he had to have the TV to you know give him the questions, and she said before that he couldn't quite understand the conversation, and the media and his wife attacked her like crazy, and. Yeah. Um, you know, she ended up being right. She was vindicated. And it was just tough to watch. And I think the worst part of that was the question about tracking and his complete flip-flop. And because of the damage from the stroke, it, first off, there was the awkward pause with most of his answers because he had to read the closed captioning. But he, like, he, he struggled. He couldn't quite put it together to say why he was for fracking and maybe why he flip-flopped on the issue. It was, to me, the worst, probably the worst thing I've ever seen in a debate ever. Yeah. Um, you know, and that was not just from the stroke. That was also just from a political mistake by him. You know, he said, and give credit to the moderator for calling him out. This is what you said three years ago. What changed? And and we all know he's full of it. He's he he isn't for fracking. He's just saying what he has to say to get elected. But again, I think shame on his 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 you know his family for putting him out there. His advisors, the Democrat Party, they hit him for months. You know this the stroke happened four days before the primary, and obviously there's probably not much you could do there. People already were casting ballots, but they knew, they knew. going into this race, and they were trying they to hide him. And, and the debate was. Awful, and I don't know if if it's his wife is hoping that she gets appointed. If if uh, yes, one hundred percent. If her, if her husband starts, if her husband ends up winning, but I think there's just major damage there. And Oz is is a reasonable type Republican, maybe call him more wishy, and he might be. Uh, but you know, this is Pennsylvania. This, this isn't yeah. you know a, a dark, dark red state. This is a this is a true toss up state, and he's the type of guy who who I think it will win there. I think. Not only your, independents who were under, uh, I, I'm, I'm only going R point R 1.5, and I'm only saying that because I do think going into that debate, Fetterman probably had a three four point lead, but I think he did a lot of damage. But it's still Pennsylvania. There's still Agreed. a ton of votes in Philadelphia, but Agreed. I think ultimately, if you're a Democrat watching that, you're not real enthused to go out to vote for this guy. If anything, you're just enthused to maybe vote for him with the hopes that Shapiro wins and they appoint somebody else. But I'd say R1.5 there. Oz is the next senator from Pennsylvania. Are you like me, Michael? You just don't trust Pennsylvania. Yeah, and, and, and I feel like it's going to be similar to, well, 
who knows how the, the results will come in. But if you remember in 2016, it, it was to the last minute, you know, Democrats were up all night and it was to that last batch of votes. I just worry about, you know, Philadelphia. It's such a huge batch of votes and it usually goes 80 to 85 percent for the Democrats. But I think what will work in Oz's favor, I think he's likable enough with those suburban voters, especially women. Um, and, and I don't think the abortion issue is nearly as prevalent as the Democrats were hoping it would be. So I think it'll be enough, but it shouldn't even be that close. It should be Oz going away, but it, sh- it, it is Pennsylvania. and uh, But we'll take the win. Um, yeah, agreed. Agreed. Well, let's go. Can I, can I switch? The, can we go to North Carolina just real quick? Yeah, this one's I think uh, I think that one's yeah. I think it's uh, like R five. I don't know. I really haven't seen polling, but I'm going to say R five. Yeah, that's an interesting state. And 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 I don't know. I love geography. And when I think of North Carolina, I think of like Charlotte. I think of the what is the Research Triangle. I think it's like Raleigh Durham. That whole area. There's a lot of universities there, so um, probably a lot more higher educated. Uh, individuals, students, people that you would align more with the Democrat Party, but somehow, election after election, even though they're 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 tight, the Republicans still find ways to win there. I think that's going to be the case again here. I, I'd say maybe even R plus six. Wow. Okay. Um, R six. Okay. Can you make it the nice strawberry? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Strawberry you know, like that color? No, no, no. That's scarlet. <laughs> Strawberry. You had it. You had it right. Thank you. There we man. go. Okay. Um, and now let's go to New Hampshire, where I have a lightning hot take. The polls have recently tightened. Hassan is flailing. I think the New Hampshire voter, to me, the New England type voters are people that are, they don't like the religious right at all but they are not socialists. They're these weird independent voters. And I think that the average New Hampshire voter is really mad about inflation. And I am going to say that New Hampshire, okay, you ready for this, is R1. I think it goes Republican. I really do. I think it's going to be the surprise of the night. Well, it's interesting because there was a poll that came out today from, I think it's St. Anselm. I think it's a, a university in uh, New Hampshire. It had uh, Bullock. I'm probably butchering his name. He served in the military. Uh, Don Bullock, I'm going to yeah. say a name. Uh, him up one. And this is one that's kind of, you know, nobody really thought much of it. Hassan or whatever her name is, <laughs> kind of had a, you know, a six to 10 point lead or upper single digit lead for much of this race. But I think, again, it was probably three weeks ago when things really kind of shifted. And I think once you really get into the likely voter model and have a better idea who's going to come out to vote, I think you see the Republicans are going to come out. Less Democrats are probably going to come out. I, I agree with you. I think this one, I feel more, it's funny because I feel confident about New Hampshire than I do Arizona. I'm Me too. Ever Me too. so slightly. Me too, my man, my man, my man, Michael. But there, my you, man, you Michael the New Hampshire voter perfectly, I think. They're, they're a very unique bunch because if you look right to the west there, you got Vermont, which is liberal la-la land right there. And, yeah. uh, and even parts of Maine because there is a congressional district in Maine that has gone Republican. 
and it's, it's for Paul LePage uh, as the governor. Correct. Who I believe is running again. Um, I know yeah. he, he's not the sitting governor, but he's running. And remember, you think of Maine, you think of Susan Collins, who in 2020 never had a lead. Remember? Never had yeah. a lead in the polls. And she, what? She won by 10 plus points? Yeah. So it's 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 a goofy country in terms of polling. Goofy. New Hampshire is a, a strange state when it comes to like geography, and they don't. If you ever watch on election night, they don't have it broken out by county. They have it like broken out by municipality on the map. So you're thinking there's like 250 counties on the freaking map, and there are all these little yeah. municipalities. It's it's strange how they they report their votes. So I'm with you. I think that of all the surprises of the night, that's going to be. That's going to be the one that's going to really yeah. uh, shock some people. I'm glad we're agreed there, Mr. Metzinger. Can you scroll up a little bit so we can see what the Senate balances, and then we'll get to Georgia? So we're at 52 oh, well, We got a Repu- Republicans flip the Senate. Yeah, like, duh. Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. Um, let's go to Georgia. I am nervous about Georgia. I don't trust Georgia. I don't feel like I have a good handle on it. Um, but I think it goes Republican because I think that, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to say R2. I think it's tight. There might be a runoff. I I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I'm going to say R2 just because I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty bullish, but I don't believe it. Yeah, I, I tend to think it'll be a runoff. So, I mean, I guess it's kind of a moot point. I, I think I think Walker will end up ahead, and then <clears throat> it'll go to a runoff, which is just I understand the whole idea of a runoff, but God, those those political consultants and those uh, TV markets and radio markets down there got to make a killing off these damn things in yeah. recent cycles. Um, so yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there. I don't think there's anything in the polling that makes think that any of the two are going to hit that 50% threshold that they need, 50 plus one. And so I'm going to go with you. I, I think election night Walker is probably going to be ahead. He'll maybe have maybe 49%, but I have a hard time believing either of the two are going to have 50% and that'll go to runoff. So you R2? I'll go R2. Okay. Make it the nice. <clears throat> probably little, like uh, a 40, I don't know. Like a, it could be like a, I could see Walker at like 49 and a half and, and, um, Oh, Walnut at like 47. Warnock, yeah. 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 I'm 47, 47 and a half. Something, something like that. But yeah. I do think the Republicans, I feel much better about the Republican chances this time around than I did with the runoffs a couple of years ago and how that all ended up. I wasn't very confident at all there. I feel confident. I think at the top of the ticket, Governor Kemp's going to steamroll Stacey Abrams, who still, you know, we, we could talk all we want about 2020 and the Republicans. Republicans saying he still has not that race. Remember from from yeah. whenever that was, but I think her yeah. political days are gonna come to an end. It's gonna win by a big margin. She's an election denier. So what so do I we think, have it? So we're pretty much aligned. So, I think so, you and I are uh, agreed. I I think oh, ultimately you know, we could go state it. by state like this. I think 52 or 53 seats is probably the number for the Republicans. If it's a great night, make Nate, pink, make you can get to 54. What's that? Make it pink. Make it pink. Okay. I'll make it pink. 
So you probably have you probably have fifty four, and I have I, I would say fifty three. Yeah, and I think that's right. I think that's about right. It'll probably be there. Uh, you know, part of me thinks though that there might like you and I might even be too conservative. Like I saw some polls that show that Pritzker, who's running for governor of Illinois, is, Illinois, not Illinois, Illinois is tight. I've also seen um, the New York governor's race, which is supposed to be tight. So I, I just want to put this out there. You and I are kind of playing it safe, I think, and and we kind of got burned on twenty twenty. You were you were more accurate than me. I, I kind of bought some of the late movement in polling, which didn't. I just think Trump was just behind in too many states that it, it was going to be too hard to happen. I, I part of me thinks though that we could be in for a political earthquake because the inflation issue is really really big, um, and there's a lot going on, and I think people are really upset about this, and I think that they rightly identify the Democrats as responsible for this. Um, and they are. Make no doubt about it. The Democrats are absolutely responsible for the current predicament. If they say, well, it's Ukraine, that's a lie. Inflation started well before the Ukrainian war of February 2022. Um, so I, I, I think that we could be in for potentially an earthquake where there are races that we had no idea were close, where the Republican is winning or like coming within a couple of points. Like, I, I really think that something's going on under the surface. What have the Democrats campaign? Like, seriously, this has been political malpractice. It's just been abortion. It's been literally abortion. And and I think, like, I think the average American, not saying this is my position, just the average American, probably wants abortion legal in the first trimester, banned in the third trimester, and with limits somewhere in the middle of the second trimester, right? So, 12 to, to 20 weeks of pregnancy. And that's where Europe has settled on. And I think that's probably where America will settle on. Um, but like the Democrats, they have nothing to go on but abortion. That's it. You're right. I mean, that's literally, you know, you take that decision out. Let's say the Supreme Court won it this, this, this year. They literally have nothing to go to their base with try to get them fired up to come to the polls nothing right yeah <clears throat> i mean cost of living through the roof you know with gas prices grocery go god for i mean going out to eat freaking wendy's now a combo meal is 9.99 a combo meal at, at a fast food restaurant i mean it's 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 insane you see it everywhere uh, yeah and 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 it's going to be an ugly winter because of heating bills and yes. you know I, I was fortunate to get back into my township aggregate where i live in ohio so i'm buying myself one more year of somewhat lower rates but boy for those people who who might be on um maybe a variable plan i mean the price is going to be it's going to be i feel terrible for you know i'm fortunate enough that i could i could afford i could take it on not that i want to um but think of somebody who who truly is is living paycheck to paycheck and who's going to have to deal with a heating bill, double of what it was last winter, just to keep their their house warm. Yeah, and you know they're gonna have to make a decision: do we do we keep the heat on, or you know do we throw an extra blanket on? You know things that it's a damn shame in this in twenty twenty two we even have to be talking about because natural gas prices two three years ago were were, were dirt cheap, and, and look yeah. now. Well, Michael, the, the big shoe to drop is you talked about this at the beginning of the show. It's the SPR, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. 
they have been draining that as an effort to keep gas prices low. That ends in November, right when the midterms are over, and oil is going to shoot up like a spring because the production is tight and demand is still strong. Um, and I think we're going to move higher into with oil prices, and I think gas prices are going to go back up. So you add in the heating prices, you add in the gas prices, you add in the food prices, and Americans are really suffering the worst economic crisis since 08. And I think in 2023, the next shoe to drop is that the job market starts to give out um, because companies start to lay off and as, as consumers start to pull back spending. Um, I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but but I do think we're in for some some troubling times. And part of me even thinks that the Democrats are going to throw this election to the Republicans because they'll be able to take office into the middle of a massive recession. Um, and I think that might be that might explain the reason these campaigns have been so weak. Um, yeah. I don't know, but but so how quickly do you think they're going to blame the Republicans for inflation? Day one, I think the day after the election, gas prices start going up, and they blame the Republicans. Um, I mean, it's it's amazing. See, here's the thing that gets me, Michael. I get really mad about is that the supposed independents who, who complained about Donald Trump, right? We are in such a worse position now than we were uh, at any point under Trump's presidency. Like, where are all these independent voters that are like, oh, I can't take the mean tweets? Like, things are horrible now. And and is Biden 100% responsible? No. But in every single case, he's made the situation worse, uh, not better. Um, How quickly the times change, you know? It's sad. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. So we're in agreement. 53, 53, 54 seats. Um Let's talk a little bit about some of the governor's races real quick. Yeah. Let's talk about our home state of Ohio. And I remember we, I think we nailed this back in the primary. DeWine's problem wasn't going to be the general. It was going to be the primary. And he, you know, benefited quite frankly from the fact that there was a split DeWine vote between Joe Blystone and Jim Renacci. Um, and, and I was of the belief that, you know, once Dewan got to the general, it wasn't going to be close because I just felt he was going to just win big with independence and, and get a lot of people across. Uh, I think <laughs> probably a lot of Republicans aren't thrilled that he's, he's nominee, but when it gets down to it, I, I would not be surprised if he got to, you know, Rob Portman type outcome um even john Kasich, i think in his second term and win by 20 points i don't think that one's going to be remotely close yeah i don't think so either can we talk about bob hagan isn't it crazy that bob hagan is back in action and is running for senate and he's gonna uh, lose he's gonna get blown out like there's zero it's not gonna be and, and here's what I'll say in terms of like Republicans, obviously I have, I, I admire governor DeSantis at the national level, yeah. but when it comes to local politics, the Republican I admire the most without a doubt is Michael Rooley. I oh, think I have so much respect for that guy. He's literally works all the time at his, his grocery store, which I actually went to uh, today on my lunch break and he fights. He's a tireless fighter for economic development and opportunities in the Mahoning Valley. He is constantly involved in things at Youngstown State University with the, um, you know, just with the university and, and Trestle and, and trying to build that relationship up and look for opportunities for, for students there. But also, 
just north of his district, your neck of the woods, in Trumbull County, your former neck of the woods, a, yeah. a, a county that he doesn't even represent, and he's doing all he can to bring in economic opportunities with, with the electronic or electric vehicle manufacturing. You know, you have the $2 billion Altium plant. You have Foxconn taking over the former GM plant. There's things happening out there, and he's the guy out there fighting for our area. Not Tim Ryan. It's, 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 it's Michael Rooley. And again, that's not even his district. No, that's going to be the congressman it, it, eventually. Yeah. And, and that's why back when the redistricting was occurring, I was fighting hard. And no offense to Bill Johnson, but he lives down in Marietta. Now, granted, I believe his son is a student at Youngstown State or is coming to Youngstown State, which is good. So he has that connection here. But I want somebody from the Mahoning Valley fighting for the Mahoning Valley. That's why I was a big proponent of like a Ashtabula to Columbiana or Steubenville type district. I, I did. I had my doubts if the Republicans would ever do it because obviously they're not going to draw out uh, uh, an incumbent Republican. But that's why I wanted because I wanted a seat drawn in favor of Michael Rowley because I thought for sure he'd be the type of person that he would go to Washington and fight for our area. And that's, that's what I, I want um, from our politicians locally. Um, I think Rooley is a great guy. I, I totally second that. I also think he's the type of Republican I like. He's not a warmonger. He's he's kind of more of a populist Republican, but he's intelligent. He's professional. He's a hard worker. We got to get him on the show. We got to get him on the show. Yeah. He um, he's 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 aware of us. I, I I do know that. And and one of the things I definitely want to have him on the show after he soundly defeats Bob Hagen is to talk about things like economic development and things in the pipeline. Uh, I just kind of want to pick his brain, kind of see maybe where he sees things going locally and, and maybe try to get an idea of his, his ambitions. You know, I, I think he really ran in, in 2018 for the right reasons. Like, he, you know, this isn't something that he wants to do for, for the political purpose. You know, some people just want to run just to get into politics and they, they want that. Like, I think he saw the need to run, right? Yeah. And, and, and he's doing his best to serve. And, and that's why I have so much respect for him. Do you... Um why has Bob Hagen fallen off? Why is he like a Facebook troll? Like, isn't that pathetic? Does anybody else like see that? And it's like, what's going on there? He's like a Facebook troll. He's like trolling people on Facebook. Yeah. He, uh, Facebook, Twitter. He, he is like a, a thin skin on him. Yeah. <laughs> Take much yeah. to trigger him. Um, yeah, he's, he doesn't. Yeah. It's sad. And the other thing is, have you seen that the guy running for Congress locally like, here's the other big thing. With the redistricting, Youngstown's going to have a Republican congressman, right? Correct. Dave Joyce in the North and Bill Johnson in the South. Is Lou yep. Lycris, who ran as a Republican, is he running against Bill Johnson or Dave Joyce? He's running against Bill Johnson. And this is one thing I don't understand. I, I think he, he did run a business of some sort. But at some point in time, you got to ask yourself, is it worth putting all this money, especially in the district with Bill Johnson? That race is not going to be... Remotely close. I, I expect Bill Johnson to get 65 to 70 percent of the vote, even with Mahoning and, and, and part of Trumbull in there. I don't think it's going to be remotely close. And, and I just don't understand. Like he ran two years ago as a Republican and, and some of the local Republicans were calling him out. That's when Christina Hagan was running and said, like, you know, if you look at this guy. He, he was just looking to try to get in and try to find an easy path. But, yeah, that I, I don't quite get Lou Lyris and, and what he's trying to do. Um, what's amazing, I was just looking up Dave Joyce's new district and uh, Matt Kilboy, and, and it's it's the five counties of Ashtabula, Trumbull, Portage, Geauga, and Lake. And 
10 years ago, that would have been a Democratic district by far. Ashtabula, blue. Trumbull, blue. Portage, light blue. Lake, I think, was a blue county. Geauga is the only red oasis in the middle there. Nowadays, it's a Republican stronghold. Like, how much politics has changed? The Democrats locally, they're running Bob Hagan. Like, just stop and think about that. Their strongest candidate is Bob Hagan. They've fallen. They've fallen. He's a racist. He called a black man buckwheat. That's not nice. That's that's a horrible term. If I called a black man buckwheat, I would feel shame because that would be horrible. I would never do that. But Bob Hagan did. He's he is a what has he done with his life? Right? I know Ursula loves to worship Bob Hagan like he's the second coming of our Christ, but he's not. He's not the second coming of Christ. He's Bob Hagan. He's a failed politician. And that's who the Democrats have. It's so sad. It's so sad. And then one more. Can we talk about this Vince Peterson running against yes. our man Nick Santucci? Nick Santucci has run a great campaign, uh, a, a fantastic, flawless campaign. He's such a good guy. He's such a genuine guy. Nothing but love for Nick Santucci. He's, he's so famous now. He'll probably never be on this show again, but that's okay. Um, and he's running uh, against this. Uh, he better. Yeah, he's running against this Vince Peterson. And this guy, there's a video out there. I don't know if you've seen this, Michael, where he's like ranting in a church. Oh, he's going on and he's like, he's ranting against the police. He's ranting against white people. He's a divider. He's not a uniter. He's an wow. angry man. Why do we want him representing us? I want Nick Santucci to win so much. And then Warren would be completely red. You know, maybe... Uh, McNally wins in the Youngstown House District, but then the yeah. Senate's red. We're just taking over. We're redding. We're making everything red. It's uh, I, I I agree with you with Santucci. If if you ask me, like of somebody who I feel like I'm most like, if I were to ever run, which I have no desire to run, you will. Have, oh, you I, will. <laughs> I'll probably get suckered in at some point in time. I would say I'm most like a Nick Santucci. Like I, I would run my campaign the same way. He he's really tried to keep it positive. Really tried to sell his, sell his, his credentials, his pe- previous experience working for Chamber, um, some stuff with with his education background as well. Tout that. Tout why he's running. You know, he's not just running again. He's not one of these guys running just to you know because he has a big ego. He doesn't have a big ego. He drove around his district. He saw there was issues. We had him on this show. He's running for the right reasons. He wants to go to Columbus and fight to make that part of Trumbull County better. And I give him a lot of respect. And there's a lot of potential in Trumbull County right now with, again, what's everything happening out at Lordstown. I know there's a, um, the Port Authority owns a site in Warren, the former RG Steel site. It's one of the, I think, the largest site that Jobs Ohio has in its um, portfolio of, of potential land spots for, for companies. So, there's some there's some things happening, and you got to have great leadership in place. And I think he's, he, because of that experience with the chamber, he's the perfect kind of guy to kind of work with local economic development efforts, work with Columbus to try to get things done. And, and, and I hope it's a district that was drawn in a way that would be slightly Democrat, Democratic, but I don't think it necessarily matters. He's I think he's going to win. He's going to win over the independents. I would say if you had to, you know, Give me, a, I'd say Santucci plus, you know, five or six. I feel that confident in him. I think it might be a little tighter, but I do think he wins. Yeah. I um, just, I think when it gets down to it, and I haven't checked like the early voting in Trumbull County to see, 
you know, how it's, it's been, it's been looking. I just, I think that Republicans are going to be, if you ask who's going to be energized to come out in, in Ohio, I think it's, it's the Republican voters. And, um, yeah, I mean, if you, you also got to remember Tim Ryan in 2020 lost Trumbull County, that portion of his district, and, yeah. which included, you know, uh, what most, if not all of what Nick Santucci territory. So again, even though it's drawn in a way that's again, a little bit more, uh, beneficial for a Democrat because of inner city Warren, I think, uh, I think Santucci could pull it out. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling for him. I've been tweeting up a storm in favor of him in recent recent days and, and hoping for the best. He's confident in the fact that the Republican party in the state has dumped money into this race. He constantly has had radio advertisements up. It leads me to believe that they feel confident they could pull it off. Yeah. I think he, I think he pulls it out, man. I, I think he's our guy, uh, Nick Santucci for president one day. Yeah. Uh, he's a, he's a good dude. He is a he really is a dude. good dude. Well, I think uh, that's it. Anything, any other thing that to, to predict? No, the only other ones I would say, so, you know, we didn't have them on. I, so there's a county commissioner seat in Mahoning County. Oh, you know, Gino. Gino DeFabio. Gino, the man. Yeah. And so he's, here's my take on that race. I, I think it's going to be, it's going to be tight. I, I do think Carol Remedio Rigetti has the edge. And, and let me explain why. So first off, you know, she's been in politics for a long time and in, in, some people like that. Obviously, we, we, we don't. Um, but she has that name recognition. Gino has name recognition, but she has that name recognition. You know, I, I was listening. I think Ron Verb was talking about this, Dan Rivers. When you're looking for, like, a single issue to nail her on, there's really nothing necessarily that jumps out at you that says, I'm going to get her on this or I'm going to get her on that. You know, and I think you hear Gino, um, he, he talks about Oak Hill, which I agree with him on. I think it's a money pit. It's cost the, the taxpayers too much money. Um, I, I just still think if you look back in 2020, I think his name was Kristen. Steve Kristen ran against Dave Ditzler. He ran, I thought Kristen ran a pretty good race, and he still lost by, I think, 11 points uh, countywide. At the prosecutor level, the Republicans had a great prosecutor candidate, Hardy Desmond, who worked under Paul Gaines, had all the credentials in the, in the world, still lost by 10 points. So I have this feel. I think Gino is going to keep it close. I think it's probably going to be a five-point race, but I think we're getting closer. The movement happening. Um, I think Remedio Reggetti is going to pull that one out. Would be my guess. Um, you know, I, I think, I think you're wrong. I could be. Um, I I will say this, and and this isn't really a knock on on Gino. I've heard this of other candidates locally as well in in, in previous cycles. I don't like the idea of nationalizing local, especially like a county race. And, and I heard his commercial and talking about like inflation and, and, and certain like more national items that, you know, from my perspective, and obviously I'm no expert on this. If I'm like running for a local issue, like I would try to pinpoint like what is wrong with Mahoney County? We keep losing population. We're losing opportunities on jobs. You know, we have Oak Hill here. You know, here, here are the things that I would do differently. And I haven't heard that so much. And I heard, you know, Ron Verb and even in, in, in Dan Rivers kind of hinted that as well. And, and I think both of them are pulling for Gino, but I think they've kind of echoed similar sentiments. And so, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I think he, in terms of name recognition in Mahoning County for Republicans, he has it. But does he have the background? Do, 
to enough independence look at him and say, okay, he's he's a truck driver, he's he's well known, he he knows the political arena, but does he have the experience to give him the keys to you know one of the three commissioner seats? So that's kind of my view of how that race might pan out. I think he wins. I think he wins. I think he pulls it out. I think people want change. I think it's a perfect setup for a Republican win in Mahoney Valley. I think he wins. I think people vote against Democrats because they're mad over national issues, and that affects the local. Carol has been in there too long. I think he pulls it out. I think he wins. My gut tells me he pulls it out and wins. There's so much excitement and enthusiasm. He's a different, he's a well-known different, he's the first time there's been a credible challenger for the Mahoney commissioner seat. I think people want something different. And I think quite frankly, Mahoney County taxes are way too high. I think he wins. I think he wins a hundred percent. I'm, I'm going to disagree with you there, Mr. We, we, uh, yeah, Mr. We, again, we shall see. You know, and again, I'm only, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm observing things. I kind of gone to his website and look at the issues. There's only really two issues there. Again, if, if I were in his shoes, I, I would kind of pinpoint on like three, four things and really hit, at home on those things and it's again it's hard with a commissioner seat because there's two other commissioners really look at Mahoney County and say okay where where are things going south and again I, I I echoed what I think would be the the talking points I guess if you would and so again you know can I be wrong Sh- certainly but I think I've heard you know again I talked about Ron Verb Dan Rivers I heard some of the callers in the recent days kind of talk about Gino's ad and kind of just not overly enthusiastic about supporting him. Um, kind of the way, again, nationalizing, talk about national issues in a, in a local commissioner's race. Um, I, I don't know if, if, if I understand the why, right? I understand why he would do it, because it's going to get the Republicans out to support him, right? But you still got to win over independents, and you still... Still got to pick off some Democrats as well, I think. Um, so we'll see. I think it's going to be tight. It's definitely going to be the tightest of all the commissioner's races in a long time. Um, you know, if, if it's not 2022, I think the Republicans' chances in, in Mahoney County are, are coming quickly. Michael, what are you going to be doing on election night? Uh, I'm probably going to be camped out on my chair here where I famously stayed up till 3.30 in the morning in 2016. I'm hoping for a miracle, and a miracle happened that night. I'm not hoping for a miracle this time because I fully expect the uh, Republicans to do well, but I'll probably be camped out here. I um, uh, how about you? Ordering a pizza, and hopefully Shanley will put the beds kids to bed early. And um, I don't have cable, so I'll need something to stream. Just, um, just DM me; I'll give you one of my lines. Okay, I got okay. lines for everything. <laughs> Okay, I might do that, and then I want to stream, and I am, or I'll watch, and I'm so excited. I yeah, I'll be up late. Yeah, yeah, we shall see. It should be, should be. I think you know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, but t- part of me does think the Republicans are going to have a great night, a really great night. Um, just again, you you saw like yesterday or the other day, New York Times came out with a poll, a bunch of polls that were just very rosy for the Democrats. Again. I think too much of these polls anymore are used as, as like a, a kind of a suppression tactic or things like that. They, they're trying to give you this false sense of hope. Like if you're a Democrat, like we're going to do it. You just got to come out and we can make it happen. I think they're going to be, I think they're going to be surprised. I think those types of voters that 
again, maybe don't historically vote, but back Trump in 2016 and 2020. That, again, might be a little difficult difficult to find and to poll in some of these states are going to come out in a big way. And, uh, yeah, regular America, middle America is getting hurt right now. And yeah. Democrats have to get punished for it. They're, they're in they charge. There, there's nobody else you could point the finger at. They have control of the U.S. House. They have control of the U.S. Senate, albeit you know, 50-50 split and, and Kamala uh, getting the, the tiebreaker. And then obviously they have the presidency. So they have control of Washington and they need to be held accountable. And so I think if you're an independent voter or Republican, like, listen, I get it. If you don't like maybe some of the rhetoric from Republicans or you think, you know, you got to move on from things like with 2020. OK, that, that's fine. But do you give that free pass to the Democrats? Are you okay with giving them the keys to Washington for two more years? Can you afford record high gas prices? Can you afford going out to eat when it used to cost maybe thirty to thirty-five dollars? Now you're spending fifty to fifty-five dollars for a family of four. You know, it, there comes a time where your your money matters, and I'm guessing people's wage increases are keeping up with inflation right now. And um, yeah, like I said, this winter I have I have great concerns for a lot of people. It's it's not going to be it's not going to be good. I um I agree I agree I mean literally what else do they have to offer you with abortion and transgender surgeries and putting children on puberty blockers because they like the pink you know like what else yeah. they got for you right oh I guess calling you a racist um and sending your money to Ukraine I, okay well there it's an agenda I guess you know. <laughs> Uh, uh, last thing before we, we wrap up the show, let's assume – we already talked about the Senate. Let's assume the Republicans have, have a great night. If they have a really great night, what race is the race that really uh, would shock you if they, they, they won? What's one of these outliers that you think could happen? Um, I think Colorado in Washington. I actually think Washington before Colorado, though. They win the okay. Senate there. I'm going to go with a different one because I'm going to go with – Lee Zeldin, I think, eking it out in New York. And I think his margin, and I'm going to go, <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to say this. I think his margin is going to be tighter than the Tudor, Tudor Dixon, Gretchen Whitmer case. I think Whitmer ends up winning by five or six. I hate to say that. I hope to God. Yeah, I wrong. do too. I hope to God but, you're wrong too. But, but I think there's just right. something about that state and something they have this love affair with that. With her, yeah. I, mean, I I don't I don't understand why, but I I feel like Zeldin has the momentum, and if we remember twenty twenty one, nobody saw New Jersey being tight. Remember there were no polls or anything like that. Just had that race even remotely close, yeah. and the Democrat ended up winning by two or three points, but nobody expected that. And that was that was then, and it's still a very unfavorable environment for the Democrats. And I think what that Governor Hochul or Hochul, whatever her name is. Yeah. Um, her problem, she's just out of touch. I don't think she's really put forth the effort to campaign and to try to win, to do what it takes to, to, to win. And there have been Republicans that have won, you know, obviously Giuliani in New York City. Pataki's won the state as a, as a governor. Or was it U.S. Senate? What was he? He was governor, right? Pataki was... Uh, Pataki? He was governor. He was governor. So it it's not like it hasn't happened before. It's been a long time and it's still a firmly blue state but i think enough people in new york are ticked off with the crime situation there and and i think probably enough parents are probably ticked off with how um the sitting governor has handled things with covid and masking and she just seems out of touch 
and, and the, she, the, the COVID vaccine for the childhood vaccination schedule is a big deal. Nobody's talking about it, but I'm telling you, it's a big deal. They, there are parents that are do not want their kids to be forced to take the COVID vaccine. Call me crazy. They're out there, and they will vote. And and you know what? I bet those people. There are probably a lot of Democrats, right? They won't say it because you don't want to be a kook. But those people are out there, and they're going to vote. I think that might put Lee Zeldin over the edge. Just putting that out there. I, I think he's he's run a, he's run a good campaign. I didn't know much about Lee Zeldin to be honest with you. Uh, leading up to the last two months, I know he got attacked over the summer at one point at one of his little. Um, he had like a little rally taking place. But I, I watched parts of the debate. He's very polished. He he knows what he's doing. He's I, I, he he knows how to articulate good points. Yes, he probably comes from a more. Trumpian perspective in terms of where you would look at him in the Republican Party. So it's really fascinating that a Republican like that, who would probably fare well in more like a, a state like Ohio or Florida, is doing so well in New York. You would expect like a um, – who's the governor of Maryland? Hogan or Logan. What, what's his name? Larry Hogan. Hogan. Larry Hogan. You would expect somebody like that to perform well in New York. But Zeldin is not like that at all. He's not like a Charlie Baker in, in Massachusetts either. He, he's, a, he's a true Republican through and through. And um, I could see him see him pulling it out. That that would be to me like the icing on the cake or the cherry on whatever they say. Base, as the kids say. Yes. So, and then my last question to you is: How quickly? Um, obviously, come Wednesday morning, the twenty twenty four campaign starts. How quickly does Trump announce? Um, and does DeSantis? Um, the, I, I still think DeSantis is going to run. Um, I don't think he will. I, th- I see. I think he will. I think because his margin is going to be massive, I don't see why he wouldn't run. Even if you know, he doesn't want to go head to head against Trump, I, I get it. But maybe that's 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 the dream team. I think he's just going to wait. I, I think he's going to run, but not not yet. I, that's my take. I want him to run. I am I'm I biased do. when I say that. I I, sh- I, I know you do. If here's how I view it: if you win a, a once true toss up by 15 points. And you are so well liked that you're flying around the country making endorsements. You have no reason not to run. And I get a whole push where people want Trump. I I, I personally don't want Trump to run. I I think for sure he's going to run. Um, you know, barring something like with his health. But I think if you're DeSantis, you're it, you have all the momentum behind you. You you got to give it a shot. I think um, I think Trump runs runs again. I don't know if he runs again. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's tough. But if Trump runs, DeSantis will not. If Trump does not run, DeSantis will. DeSantis needs to take up cigarette smoking because his voice is too high pitched. <laughs> he's got I'm some good, 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 uh, good zings. He's too nasally. He's too nasally. He's way too nasally. Too nasally. Yeah. He needs to. Uh, he needs to smoke. <laughs> He'll lose weight too. He's a little chubby. He's a little, he's a little big. Well, on that note, we thank everybody for tuning in, whether it was live or on the podcast. Uh, I didn't get to the chat. There's a lot of activity in there. Um, appreciate you guys for kind of commenting on your thoughts throughout the, the evening. We'll be back hopefully in a couple weeks. We'll kind of recap the 2022 midterms. Hopefully it's a big night for the Republicans, and we'll kind of look ahead to 2024 and uh, kind of go from there. But appreciate Appreciate your thoughts, Dane, and hopefully come out more accurate than we did in 2020. I think I think we're pretty conservative with our thoughts. I feel 
I feel it's like good. maybe the only bullish one we really made was the New Hampshire one. Other than that, I think we're going to be right on. Are you, do you have a jewel pod? Is that what you're smoking in the video? What is that? Is that what? Pod? Is that a jewel pod? You're waving something around. Is that a jewel pod? It's a pen. I don't vape. Oh, it looks like I, you look like you look like the type of guy that would vape, Michael. I've never done, never done anything <laughs> nicotine related in my life. I have no plan. I know. I'm just playing with you. Okay. Have a good night, Michael. We'll, we'll see you, everybody. Take care. Okay. Bye.